this one that had snapping turtles in the front. They had a pond. It was in Florida. And they had a pond in front of the church. And they have, like, alligators, too, and crocodiles. No, that was a different church. It was actually people's house. They had a pond in the backyard, and they were like, you can't swim in it because there's alligators. How big was the oh, pond? They t- I don't know. It was big. It was a river. I don't know I what think. it was. But they took us out on the boat. Uh, <laughs> on we went tubing. Tubing, yes. And they were like, by the way, there's alligators in the water. So we go and they're like, oh, we have to get out right now because this is where the alligators live. And then they go down 20 feet and they're like, oh, So they knew where the alligators were and they took you to that exact spot. Yeah. Well, they did. So the point of was to fall off the tube. And I did not ever once. I was so terrified. I feel like Pastor might have, like, preached on something that they didn't particularly care about. And that y'all just went out and swam with the alligators or something. We had a retreat at, at uh, my high school. Ever at the beginning of every summer, we would take a retreat to a lake, and we would do tubing out there too. And we're on the back of the tube, and the guy yells over the motor, "By the way, there's alligators out here. If you see one, just hang on." And then gunned it, and we took off into the into the water, and I fell off in the middle of the lake. Maybe that's just something people do Florida. when you go tubing. They just tell you that. Not really. Experience. I've gone tubing in like the intercoastal waterway and stuff. There, there's no alligators. Out. Signs for alligators. Really? They're like beware. What part of Florida? I have no idea. I was like eight. Did y'all? Sure, I forgot that there was different parts of Florida, and I thought of Florida as like Pensacola. One <laughs> Florida is Pensacola. Abeka. Pensacola and Abeka are the heartbeat. You know, I put together those books. Mm. I was my first year of college. The Abeka book line worker that stacked the paper in the the line as it went down and they were all out of order they were horrific i despised it we would have quality control we would have book assembly and we would have boxing and the best was quality control because you just like looked at other people's work and one time we got written up because like the maintenance guy forgot the glue on the binder it was the worst job ever it was horrific it um forced me to look outside of that opportunity for other opportunities. Did you ever work on the cameras in the back? I never worked on the cameras in the Crown Center. They had three guys that did it, and they only got paid for the time that they ran the camera. So, obviously, but that was like three hours a week because they'd rotate. I was on security. I was riding segways. It was fantastic. What? <laughs> I'm just picturing you. Whatever mental image you have, that's exactly. You'd be a great security. Well, thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. That was a great time to acknowledge the fact that we're live on Facebook. Uh, if you're just joining us, this is Cross Culture Episode 2. We're going to break down some of the stuff that we talked about in the sermon today with Pastor Brad. But first, we're talking about alligators and segways in Florida. And I'm being critiqued on my Segway performance. Have I shown you the video of jumping out? No, we weren't jumping out. I One night, Peter was a security guard too. So I taped a photo of like, uh, it looked like a ghost. Like just this creepy, somebody, I don't know, ghost. And I taped it on the outside of the window and then rolled down the window. Oh. And then when we were out on patrol, I rolled up the window and shone the light at it and screamed at him. And he jumped out of the truck. <laughs> See, like I said, you're great. 
security. We were amazing. We did some really uh, actually interesting calls. We had a couple of deputies down there that were like my best friends, and, and we would just kind of like roll around and jump out at people. It was a lot of fun. We didn't get much done on security. They were basically out there, and my brother's now a security guard at his college. He's like out there robbing or ignoring that. Well, robbing. <laughs> He's making bank at this college. Let me tell you what. He's out there robbing on security. Right. Best best place to be on a security guard. Is to go. No, he's not robbing. I admit he is patrolling, and I'm surprised people have not robbed the parking blocks by now. I'm sure that's what you meant. So what college is this? Are we not, not I'm not going to say online because I might get a phone call after this from Jared. <laughs> Very sorry about that, Jared. The first time you're featured on my podcast is to be accused of grand larceny. So or robbery um did y'all have official positions before you came i know emily you work on the hill and then charity i don't know what you do what do you do i work for the church oh so don't we all I, <laughs> administration, I guess that's a title it is we made it i didn't know you week. had a title do you really have a title <laughs> yes did she earn this title oh yeah she did did you apply for the job i did i sent in my resume what did you, was it on a post-it note? No, it was in the <laughs> what, would, what was on your resume? Um, my high school education. <laughs> um, my previous babysitting jobs. My skills as organization. And obviously not talking skills. So babysitter is procurement of child management services. Exactly. Um, what were the other what were the other jobs that you had? That's about it. <laughs> that's also what I put at the end of my resume, and that's about it. Underline, circle that. It did take them a minute to get back to me. I had to wait like two weeks. Did you have to beat out other applicants? No. Did you apply for this job too? Did they lose your resume? No, <laughs> they had it on their desk for a long time, and then I was like, Dad, did you look at my resume? <laughs> <laughs> that works. <laughs> she, but I got the job. Okay. It all worked out. It would be kind of awkward if you got turned down for the <laughs> family dinners where you show up and you're not really welcome with the... Mom's like, did you get the job you applied for? It's like, well, we're considering some other applicants. Somebody <laughs> came in with a pulse yesterday. They might be qualified for the job. General church administration. So... Are you the one that we complain to if we run out of pins or mints in the back of the church? No. Who is that? It's Amy. Amy's not currently applying for an internship at the church. <laughs> but I thought she <laughs> was applying for something on the hill or something like that. She's, She's actually sending. She it. wants to do a lot of stuff. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, that is fantastic. I don't think she's got that great of a shot at working at the church to be honest i know the i know the general administrator over there and she's not that great she really isn't i don't know how she got the job she must have known the pastor or something let's talk about you okay talk about me that's fine what would you like to discuss before we jump into our grapes gone wild go ahead and interrogate me no (laughs) fine I think we know pretty much everything now. You were really bad at driving a Segway. I w- and a motorcycle. And a motorcycle. <laughs> so I think that sums it up. 
<laughs> That's it. I just don't drive. Uh, I don't drive vehicles. I don't drive. Actually, my brother actually on Tuesday, I think, also got in a bike accident. He was not wearing a helmet, and he was on a bicycle, and his chain broke, and he flipped over the handlebars, and he was not wearing a helmet. Jared, this episode's about you. And so. In the middle of like a getaway from the police for robbery. Yes from the security department at college, which is actually pretty easy when you are the security department. But still, he managed to flip over the handlebars. And so as soon as I heard, I called him and left a voicemail. And I said, even though that I taught you how to ride a bike, I'm absolved from any liability that's pending following this accident and hung up. That's probably why, because you taught him. I did teach him how to ride a bicycle, and uh, I have a great track record with two wheels. Are your parents going to take away all bikes, anything away from your youngest brother now? Yes. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Luke's Two Wheel Classes. (laughs) 1-800-555-3684. Great track record. Be safe on the road. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) The girls want to jump into the lesson. One of the things that jumped out to me actually on the the sermon this morning was um, the pastor just talking about folks not being content with things. And uh, one of the things he said that people aren't content with are their parents. So are you content with your father? On a scale of 1 to 10, would you say that you're content with your father? And if it's less than a 5 and the camera goes out, that'll be the end of the podcast today. Scale of 1 to 10. Uh, What's actually funny is I actually was, when he was mentioning that, I was thinking of that and going how, if I had to analyze myself how content, you know, you Mm -hmm. talk about, you have different complaints, you disagree about something, but then you're like, no, I'm happy or whatever, but if you're actually analyzing, are you just being passive or am I being actively content? I guess you would say. I don't know if that's a thing, but. Mm -hmm. I think you have to continually remind yourself sometimes because a lot of times whenever I feel like I am upset that I don't have something or about a current situation, when I look at the grand scheme of things and realize just how blessed I am, I become more content. And also it's the, it's the daily things in life too, that you don't realize you're grateful for until they're taken away, like the ability to walk. Um, and then I was looking, as I said, on the prayer request today and just looking through some of the, the asks that people have, some people going through cancer treatment or a loved one is suffering, or they just, you know, need a little bit of help in one aspect of their life or another. It's those things where you think, okay, outside of my world, my perspective, how do I engage with people around me when I'm so focused on myself? You can't really be a great asset to other people until you understand that you have been so incredibly blessed yourself and then you can begin to reach out and help those who are around you and kind of help the people who are in the church or just in your immediate area you understand and recognize that it's not all about you and when I got in a position recently where I needed some help and the church and my family kind of rallied around me that was a big eye-opener because I also had people that I didn't even know but were friends of friends who were Christians writing me letters or commenting on stuff and just saying like, you know, we're praying for you. We're thinking about you. We really want to you know help you out and different things like that just because they knew I was a Christian and they knew people who knew me and they wanted to come around me and surround me and help them out. Over the course of Graceway Baptist or just ministry in general, and, and I know you guys have been to a lot of churches, 
traveling around and, and, and also just kind of ministering to a bunch of different folks. Have you seen other people that you've not even known, not even met before, but because they believed in you as individuals and you as people come around and support your ministry and just help out whenever something needed to be done? I don't know how many times, um, I don't, I should know more of these details, but pastor brings them up in different messages. I'm like, oh yeah, I need to make sure I remember them, then I don't. But people who reached out to our family, to our ministry when we were in New Guinea, since we moved to the States, and gave money, gave time, gave something, and we didn't know them, had no connection to them, um, but they just wanted to give to God, and they just kind of picked someone and they picked us and it was something that we needed and had been praying for Mm -hmm. specifically and but like you were saying like remembering the specific things to be thankful for yeah and we had a conversation about this around the dinner table last night um about just thankfulness and we thought a mom was like kind of pushing us to think of like what are you thankful for like what has made you um like what is a reward of serving God that you have noticed throughout the years. And, you know, people send us on vacations. They, you know, take us out for dinner, just different blessings. And like, I'd imagine you'll have to go to a lot of buffets. (laughs) 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 Sometimes it's easy to see just like the hard things and the negative aspects, but you have to be constantly purposefully thankful and looking at the good parts not just the negative parts or the hard parts. You lose perspective. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to do that. So that leads a little bit into what the sermon was about today. Isaiah's song containing six warnings, covetousness, drunkenness, carelessness, self-deception, and pride, uh, and then also injustice and exhortion. And I think that a combination of those allows us to lose our perspective, especially when we're supposed to view our current situation as a mission field. Washington, D.C. is our mission field. It might not always be our mission field. It may change or evolve over time, but right now I feel like this is where God's at least placed me. I think it's where he's placed y'all's family and where we have a lot to offer. But with a lot of these warnings come pitfalls and and hurdles to ministry too because any of these if you see them in other Christians, as Pastor was talking about, specifically uh, drunkenness, because I've seen this a couple times. Whenever I have seen some of these warnings or these examples in other people, if I held them in high regard, suddenly that's taken away. My respect for somebody is taken away if they've fallen into one of these pitfalls. And sometimes we fall into different pitfalls, uh, and it's difficult to avoid them sometimes. But that's part of being a Christian is committing to understanding what they are, committing to moving forward on, on God's will and God's path and understanding that even when we do fall, we're going to have to come back and make amends. We're going to have to come back and ask for forgiveness. But I think it's also when people don't ask for forgiveness or they don't understand that this is a sin and have no regrets about any of these circumstances. So, number one, covetousness, fraud and exhaustion leading to an imploding economy and manipulation in other season land is kind of what Pastor was talking about in the passage today in Isaiah. And people were, people today especially, we're, we like to take on, on this podcast, this live, elements of the sermon and apply them to our personal lives today. When we look at what the world covets, when we look at what people want in this life, 
I see them go after money. I see them go after fame. I see them go after political clout. And my question is always to what end? What's the end goal for all of it? Last week on the podcast, we talked about how I see Christians sometimes go through their entire lives and not point out or address or confront sin in their lives or in other people's lives when it could lead to their downfall. And while they may feel as if they're loving them at that time, it's really just placating their emotions and pushing it further down the road where there could be calamity. In your everyday life, have you experienced people or maybe even yourself, you know, coveting something or wanting something that goes beyond the will of God or what the Lord may have laid out for you? Is that something that you see either in your work and on the hill or maybe um, going about just everyday lives where you see the world pointing up, even on social media, which we'll talk about in a second, really striving for things that maybe they don't even have. They just kind of like to show that they have. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, social media, it's so easy. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'm looking at it, you when you're in like the spiritual mind, you're like, what is this? Like, this is nothing. Like, why are you guys so enthralled with this? Why are you so excited about this? But then when you get too ingrained with the world and too ingrained with the culture, you start going, oh, that's really cool. That would be cool if I had that. Like, wait, how could I get that? Mm -hmm. uh, and you start changing. We've got to make sure we are looking through it with like the spiritual glasses and going, no, this is vanity. This is not what I should be striving for. I know that I have to keep reminding myself of that too. Just making sure I'm looking at people's strives and people's goals and making sure I'm going, is this biblical? Is this what I'm supposed to be striving for? Mm -hmm. Or is this popular? Yeah, exactly. And on social media, it's very easy. I wish I could get rid of all of it. Unfortunately, it's part of my job where I have to be tuned into social media, I have to understand all of it. But being so tuned into all those different platforms, I see people that completely devote their lives to building up their followers. And then the next day they could get kicked off of them and it's just completely devastating to them and, and they lose out on so much fulfillment in this life. Uh, we're going to not spend too much time on all these pastor hit on a lot of them, but on the drunkenness aspect, as I was just saying, like I've seen folks in my personal life who have really struggled with this concept, but I made a decision, I think it was in like fifth grade or something. And it wasn't even necessarily because of, my Christianity. It was something that I definitely did grow up with, but I remember making a definitive decision after evaluating my worldview. And then also we had some programs in school that helped align this, but I didn't see much upside to it. Mm -hmm. I didn't see much upside to, to drinking or consuming alcohol. And some of my friends do, and we, we talk about that and have a, a good debate about it. And I'm not abrasive when I discuss my convictions. And I've had people Tell, who who do drink tell me like I greatly respect the fact that you don't mm -hmm. and and that's that's really good because it also opens a door and it's an opportunity and I've listened to some other podcasts I'm a big fan of the uh, Duck Dynasty cast because they came into this TV show and I remember them talking about on their podcast with the mindset of we're going to try to use this to glorify God and so now that they have a podcast I remember Jace one of the members talking about whenever he's in a social setting he he personally believes that he 
it's okay to drink, but he does not do that because he, uh, if someone else is there, it opens an opportunity and a door to communicate with them about the gospel. And I, and that's why I don't drink because it allows me to communicate with somebody definitely, about the gospel. I've definitely seen that, like, especially in DC, we are very much a drinking culture. It's what the, it's all the networking yes. that surrounds and us. When I do say no or do like, no, I'm not going to do that. There's always a why. And it's very easy to bring up convictions. And I've multiple times been able to bring up Christianity, bring up my uh, beliefs, and bring up faith. And Mm -hmm. it's just a great kind of witnessing opportunity as well. And I don't know, I found I've, it's also encouraging as well. Like you said, I've had people be like, oh, very impressed, or not impressed, but I don't know. I don't know what the right word is. Um, but it's Sometimes they're shocked. Yeah. Because you work on the hill, it's just kind of expected. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you have any thoughts on on that concept? I know I that you don't work in the same environment that we do, but it's just kind of like the culture of the day too. One thing that I personally haven't experienced because I'm not of the drinking age, <laughs> but um, is that unfortunately though a lot of peer pressure surrounds underage drinking too. That's another pitfall, and I think that's you know one of the most dangerous ones. But is why, like Emily said, it is good like when they ask you why to bring up your convictions. It is an open door to talking about your faith. But a lot of times it can be just like, oh, I just don't like drinking, or I just don't think it's that good. It's not healthy. Um, so it could be easy to just give one of those excuses. But I think it would be. Um, a good opportunity for witnessing mm-hmm. so to use it as a witnessing tool not just to let that go that opportunity go yeah absolutely and we'll combine the next two carelessness and f- also flippant scoffers and and self-deception i think that our world discussing cross culture the gospel is abrasive to our culture we're not going to be able to have an easy mission field if we're really going against the culture. If we have a very easy and flippant time sharing the gospel, I think we may have to reexamine whether or not we're sharing the gospel. Yeah, definitely. I, it's sometimes when I'm like, oh, that was pretty easy. Then I go back to what I, what did I actually say? Was I actually sharing the gospel? Was I just giving some kind of self-encouragement thing? Um, and a lot of times it's not, it's not, actual gospel it's a very watered down version or very watered down just kind of side saying and i'm like oh that's why it was easy <laughs> that's why yeah and like it was natural and number four is self-deception sometimes we deceive ourselves into being the messengers of a false gospel it's mm-hmm. it's very easy because there are a lot of people that live and go to church in Washington, D.C., and their church gives a very flippant message of the gospel. They give a very careless message of the gospel, one that's not true, one that's not accurate, one that just placates the masses. And I think that's one of the warnings that you see. I believe it's in Revelation where maybe it's not, but tickling the ears of those who want to hear what they want to hear. That's one of the signs at the end times, and I see that every day. I told Pastor last week on this uh, on the podcast that I was looking around my area to see what churches were doing during the pandemic and 
came upon some of their sermons. And their sermon began with an out-of-context Bible verse, and then they gave a monologue. They never opened the Bible. They read a verse. They didn't examine the ramifications of what led to that statement in the Bible, so they used it for their own purposes and benefit. And I think that's what happens when we are very very careless about how we communicate with one another and what we allow and what we pass off as the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know I've definitely the a few weeks ago Pastor Rose was really hitting hard on witnessing and mm-hmm. I was convicted in how am I presenting the Bible? Am I presenting my church as a social club or as a oh yeah, I, a lot of my friends go or am I actually talking about things that I've learned? When people ask me, oh, what did you do this weekend? Be like, oh, I just hung out with some friends. Or no, I went to church and, oh, by the way, I learned this. And being purposeful because it is hard. It is difficult to get that out. And not in a way that's inappropriate, but in a way that's when they are open to it. Mm -hmm. And um, not, like you said, watering it down and kind of throwing it out there, trying to be like, popular or be like everyone else but i think that goes into social media too it's really easy to put a bible verse in your bio or just Mm -hmm. post a verse randomly you know as a caption but not actually have it in your life and reading your bible daily or actually um getting that time with god and just putting a verse on your instagram or uh, facebook or whatever um i think that's also a form of self-deception because you're thinking, oh, I'm so spiritual. People think I'm spiritual. I don't. <laughs> a lot of times I'm shocked at the content that follows the Bible verse in somebody's bio. Yes. It's, <laughs> it's dramatic. I will look at somebody's... It's funny because <clears throat> a lot in, in our culture, we can put up a facade. We can have a persona of what we want others to perceive us to be. And then sometimes we can take off that mask later and have our private life, and that's what we really are. Mm-hmm. But on social media, you put in your bio what you want folks to think you are, and then you just lay out what you are for the world to see underneath sometimes. And not sometimes it might be even trying to put on a different mask or facade, but it's what you in your heart are trying to become, and it's not good. Yeah. A lot of times. And I will get, I finally made my Instagram private first off because there was just a lot of scams and random people that definitely aren't real people. But then there were other, there were other folks that were, were following and I was following them back and realizing that this person purports to be something that they're not. Mm-hmm. And they're not only saying, a de- giving a deceptive message, but they're also dragging Christians names through the mud. There are a lot of people in DC that say that they're Christians, especially politicians, and they can just flip the light switch on and off. Yeah. It's sad. Uh, pride, number five. C.S. Lewis from Mere Christianity said, a proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you were looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. Romans one twenty two says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Proverbs 3, 7, be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord and depart from evil. I'll go throughout an entire day sometimes, and it'll be a tough day where I face a lot of challenges and I face a lot of headwinds and it's just politics. And I'll get to the end of it and realize I didn't consult God for a second. 
I didn't pray. I didn't ask for his guidance. When things got tough, I just tried to pull up my bootstraps and do it on my own. And a lot of times I fail. And I'll walk out at the end of the day and then realize I never took it to the Lord in prayer. I never asked for his guidance and direction on something that I probably, I definitely should have done. Yeah. We pastor was talking about um, prayer lists on Thursday. And I was convicted because it's easy for me. I'm like, oh, I'll pray about something or I'll pray about something throughout the day. But to have a set aside time to actually ask mm-hmm. for counsel, not just a flippant like, oh, I need your help, God. Could you help me with this? Or, um, But to do it in advance and be purposeful about it. And it's it was just very convicting and very much what I needed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just like you said, looking for that wisdom and going to the right person for it. Mm-hmm. Before you realize that, oh, I made all my decisions already. Is this yeah. the right decision? Well, I already did it, so I guess. Exactly. Yeah. As the chief bishop, administrative reverend officer of Graceway Baptist Church, do you ever go throughout your day and realize that even in the work of the gospel or working in the church, sometimes you try to do stuff on your own? Yeah. <laughs> well, would you give us a comprehensive list of all the times? Well, like for um, example, I noticed there were no pins in the foyer this morning, and I filed a complaint with the chief officer. Um, well, I would say one of my main jobs is organizing. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of um, shopping for. Um, this is my job, pens, for the record. Pens and things. Um, How do I, where do uh, I apply for this? The food that we provide. Even better. Where do I go to sign up? I don't know. Your resume might not be as good as hers. There's some um, competition for this job now. I will take half the salary. I don't know. You're not very good security. I'm great security. Previous job. I'm not Graceway security. I wouldn't be able to run after anybody. I'd be doing hopscotch out the front door chasing someone with a baseball bat. But, Try to continue with that mental image in your head as you explain. Okay, pride. Um, Tell us so about your pride journey. Downstairs, there was a lot of organizing and stuff. Um, and sometimes I me. just think that <laughs> I'm the greatest organizer. And then, um, you know, someone else will come in and we'll try to work together. And they'll want to organize something mm-hmm. this way. And then I'll want to organize it this way. This very simple. Let's start naming names. <laughs> let's um, let's name some names <laughs> about some people. That is an example of pride. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think. What I was thinking of earlier, when you were reading um, this quote from C.S. Lewis, said a proud man is always looking down on things and people, and right. that's one of the things that God hates is a proud look, and I think that is really common today. Just um, is basically a false confidence. If you portray yourself as confident or have that, um, what is essentially a proud look, then the confidence will follow. And I think um, Dad has talked about this in a couple messages the past several months, you know, sporadically. Um, but that false confidence isn't what the Christian is looking for. And we don't find ourselves, uh, we don't look for that confidence in ourselves. Mm-hmm. We look for that in God. Exactly. So I was, as you were talking about that, also looking towards the the final point, the final warning from Isaiah in uh, 
verse 22 and 23 where it discusses injustice um, and, and it talks about, and, and I'm looking at a, a, a different or an explanation of the passage as well, where it talks about denying justice to the innocent and acquitting the guilty for a bribe. The first thing that pops in my mind when I look at this passage and think of this, and it may not even be exactly what the pastor hit on this morning, but I, I think of what goes on every day on Capitol Hill and in our, in our world today, where it's not even necessarily where you are physically in a trial or, or you're in a courtroom or something. But I feel like a lot of times with even the cancel culture, sometimes we put on we put people or concepts unjustly on trial. And I think Christians are next. I think that the world is going to look at us and they're going to put us on trial and judge us. And then we're going to be cast out. It's not easy being a Christian in 2021, especially in the atmosphere and area that we're in right now. We're literally meeting underground. We we've been driven out of where we normally conduct ministry and talking to pastor about the churches that are choosing never to come back to, to church. And, and he was, he was discussing how there are some pastors and church leaders who said, I mean, we're going to go to small groups and we're never going to come back. And I think that shows the heart of their ministry. It's not that great. The heart of their ministry is not on fire for the Lord. And I think that is incredibly sad because I think that there are more churches that have become apartments in DC than there are churches. And as we move forward in this climate of hostility and this culture, I think it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. I think, I think we've seen it before and it's going to happen again. Would y'all agree? Yeah. It does seem even, even in our church, it feels like it's so much harder to get back to Hill Center and um, to make that jump and, but it's important and we got to remember the importance of meeting mm -hmm. together, mm -hmm. meeting in a place and reaching our community and not just meeting for ourselves and for the Christians, but being that witness mm -hmm. and being that light. And even though it is hard and people are going to try to come after us, but to still care for their souls enough to reach them. I think that's what it's all about driving back to the heart of our ministry it can be easy to just disband to throw up our hands and say all right we're done it's harder to continue on the path of sharing the gospel in a very oppressive culture but we see it time and time again we see people that stood up for their beliefs whether it be daniel who when the king said you can't pray you know he throws open the windows and starts praying in the windows and you know the lord brought him through that or shadrach meshach and abednego where they refused to bow down to the golden idol and they were thrown into the the fiery furnace and then there was another in the fire who was you know with them alongside them and and god brought them through those difficult times so I think, I think that's about... I did have one verse I wanted to bring out. Please um, do. You talked about in the beginning how you see these in other people and you immediately lose respect for them or um, it kind of just brings them a little bit lower in your mind. And Pastor had brought up this uh, passage and it's the First Corinthians 6 passage and about all the sins and everything. And then verse 11, and I think I... Every, Every once in a while, I'll be like, this is my favorite verse. And then I'm like, find another one. I'm like, no, this one's my favorite. But currently, this one's my favorite. It says, and such were some of you, 
but ye are washed and ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And it's only by grace that God has brought us this far. And mm-hmm. just back to the witnessing. And we can see this, we can see sins, and we can see the corruption in our nation. We've got to remember that God saved us and he can save others. And we can see a change in our culture. Mm-hmm. That's good. Closing My favorite part of the whole message was the illustration with the coffee. Um, I'm a big coffee drinker, so I like that. Um, but it was interesting that the richest, best tasting coffee is the one uh, where the coffee bean, the coffee tree was um, grown in severe um, weather conditions, maybe in a drought or um, what, lots of storms or something. And that season's coffee beans were the best tasting and the richest and the most expensive. Mm-hmm. And um, that was just, that really hit me because um, I don't, I wouldn't say that I've gone through a lot of hard things, but you know, there's things that in your mind you can build up and it can be a big thing and you're like, oh, maybe I should just quit. If it would be so much easier if I just, you know, did my own thing, um, like searched, uh, no, followed after what the world says, Mm -hmm. you know, you want in life. Um, But you have to give up those things and realize that these hard times are what is going to make you better and be, help you become what God wants you to be. But you also have to keep the sweetness too. Yeah. God will bring you through the fire and you'll come out refined on the other side. But if you choose to stay on one side as opposed to the other, you're not going to become much of anything. So thank you all very much for coming on and talking. Yes, for being pressed into service this morning. I greatly appreciate it. Where do we submit suggestions for candy to purchase now that I know that you hold an official title? In the offering box. We have an offering box? I didn't think we – do you all believe in tithe here? No? Okay, great. Okay. Thank you all for joining on Cross Culture. We're going to turn uh, my guests loose, and uh, we'll be back next week. Thank you very much. I appreciate that, that deep insight (laughs) that you all provided us.